Just once, I'd like to see Kristen Stewart not be a mouth breather. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. <laughs> Sam. Yeah. You saw some fucking movie. I did. This weekend. Yeah. Wait. Well, no, earlier this week. Yesterday, last night. Was there any end? Yesternight. To, to Nick Cage's madness? Oh, it's excessive. Is it? He has so two he... freakouts in okay. this movie. So double the freakouts of double the freak What's it called again? The Color Out of Space. Or That's Color right. Out of Space. Yes. So is there like a lack of color in space? Is it like, is it like no Definitely. one can hear you scream but with color? <laughs> no one can see you color kind out of, in space? Kind of. <laughs> it's it's interesting because the whole premise and and you know in the trailer he he even mentions like that he starts out saying it was like a pink or a magenta and then he goes like I can't describe the color. It's it's just pink in the movie. It's it's just yeah. like hot pinks. It's like and a nice fuchsia, right? Like there, there's one scene where one <laughs> of the guys like you described it pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> well, there, you know. there's this one scene where one of the guys shines a flashlight into the trees, and you see this kind of like ethereal, glowing mm-hmm. thing that like shimmers, kind of like the what like an oil spill looks like on okay. the ground. Yeah. Um, that's probably the closest I can get to saying that it's the weird, unknown, unseen color that okay. that can't be explained. But it's fucking pink. Mm. I like pink. I like pink too. I know you do. Palmer, but, how do you feel about pink? I'm fine with it. I, I prefer to call it salmon. 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 Well, that's a that's a very soft, flat no, pink. No. I think no. you're going to say soft, fleshy pink, and I was like, ugh. <laughs> well, now I'm going to say that. It's a soft, fleshy pink. <laughs> Does it make you moist? I don't like, like my cat's soft, fleshy, salmon-covered like nose. <laughs> do you need to go to Las Vegas, Alex? No, I'm good, thank you. You don't need to dry up. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stay nice and moist here in Virginia. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 113. Mm. 113. 13's my lucky number. Is it? But is 113 your lucky number? Yeah. And no. <laughs> what makes 13 your lucky number? I don't know. It's just always my number. That's just been your number? That Forever. was the most so recent like one you got on your fortune cookie. What? That's the most recent one you got in your fortune cookie. Probably. That was always my number for soccer, and I just always liked 13. Uh, what position did you play in soccer? Midfield. Midfield? Center mid. What happened? Why don't you play soccer anymore? The drogas. <laughs> <laughs> ah, what happens to everyone eventually? Yeah. What's your lucky number, Palmer? I don't know. I don't have one, really. Don't have one. You don't have a lucky number? No. What about you, Sammy? 18. Oh, 18. That's nice. That's nice. Like, if you can say anything, I would be like, that's terrible. <laughs> also, my number in soccer. No. Yeah. My, mine's 42,069. Mm. Oh, ending with the 69. Because you've done 42,069s? No. <laughs> 420 <laughs> blaze at 69, bro. No, what? 420 blaze at 69, bro. Oh, oh. <laughs> you left off a 360 no scope at the end. No, I'm not a fucking Call of Duty memer. A memer? I thought that started with Halo. I don't know. Maybe. Possible. I feel like Call of Duty, the Mountain Dew boys really brought that one out. Yeah. The Call of Hootie boys. Call of Duty, D-O-O-D-I-E. Call of the Hooties and the Blowfishes. <laughs> Just harmonica starts, starts playing in the background. 
All right, so you got to explain, since I didn't think we were talking about Kristen Stewart tonight. Why Why do you wish Kristen Stewart could stop being a mouth? I watched her new movie, and all she does is just, like, sit there with her mouth half open. What's the new movie? I can't even remember. Underwater or some shit. Oh, that, oh yeah, yeah. You, watched, you, you saw that? Yeah. Was it as bad as I thought it was going to be? Just, I, it cemented the fact that I, just, I really just don't like Kristen Stewart. Maybe she has enlarged adenoids or something. No, it's because she farts all the time. She can't breathe through her nose, otherwise she'll smell her own farts. So... <laughs> I saw it in that one bad lip reading video. You're right. It must be true. The internet told You're us so. You're such a fish. <laughs> Why would you do that? Who, who was the worse? The movie wasn't bad. Who was worse? Her or TJ Miller? I don't, I don't know. I don't really have that much of a problem. I don't know T.J. Miller personally, and I don't have I don't have a problem. Do with you know Kristen Stewart personally? <laughs> no. He knows her mouth. I that know sounds her mouth. Way worse. <laughs> Jesus I'm just going to make, make Kristen Stewart's mouth the background on his phone when he's not looking. It's like that. It's like that fucking. You ever seen that meme of like uh, the kid on Facebook who's like nine years old? And uh, he's like, I want to make love to your mouth <laughs> to like some like fucking 20 year old. And she's like, aren't you nine? And he's like, yeah, nine inches down your mouth. <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> I'm looking that up as I, soon as we're on. I feel like ever since I, now that I have a son, I find this so much more disturbing. <laughs> if he said that, I would just die. It's gonna be my kid at like six. What are you he's just gonna have 15 face. I'm gonna be like, you cannot be on social media, and he's gonna have five million social media accounts, and uh, all of them are going to be named John Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I got a man. I give a fuck why. Most hoes got boyfriends. Aren't you like nine? Nine inches deep in your throat. <laughs> Do you just have this on your phone yeah. all the time? Just memes, dude. Oh, just memes. <laughs> just, just memes. Left and right. That sounds about right. Yeah, that That's why Palmer's right. always so quick to post a meme. I have he doesn't to have go. to search for him. He knows exactly where I'm more selective of my memes. I have folders on folders on folders of folders of memes, dude, just categorized by the types. It's the one and thing the one... in Palmer's life that he's ab- adamant about being organized. Yes. The, yeah, that and my pornography. Yeah. Those two things together. Yeah, must, but that's in a different folder. Be... Yes. Unless it's memes Meme of porn. porn. Yeah. And then there's a cross <laughs> pollination. You get your Venn diagram of memes of porn. <laughs> Venn diagram. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, how's everybody doing today? Fine. Yeah? I'm just tip top. Tip top? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because your lucky number 13 is involved in the episode? Absolutely. All right, Sam, how about you? I'm doing good. You're in your red robe? Yeah, yeah he looks like a fucking cult member. Wait, like, wait, no, hold on. Now I look like a cult member. Um, Jesus Christ, dude! You look like you need to be playing for Sunno right now. <laughs> just no, nah, dude. I'm like, I'm I'm just one mask away from playing for Ghost. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. Them too. All of anything that was, just black metal, <laughs> all over the place. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear everybody's doing pretty well. How are, How are you, you doing? doing? Oh man, my this week. I'm ready for this week to be over. Welcome back to work. Yeah, going oh, back to work. Oh, that's right. It was your first week back. Dealing with all the drama that's been happening at the Capitol. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for those that, that aren't aware, we had a massive protest out there on Monday that I wasn't lobby there day, for. Right? But that's what it's called? Yes, it was yeah, Lobby Day. Yeah, it was Lobby Day. Uh, I didn't but there know were, that was a thing until this year. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's big every year, but it's never quite that big. Yeah. Although, we did have that incident last year with the governor, and there were about like 10,000 people out there pro- protesting him. Mm. This was twice as big. Mm-hmm. They said 22,000 people, right? 28. 28. Jesus. 
Yeah. Um, Don't take her guns. Most of them heavily armed. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, you know, people that listen to this cast know I don't have any problems with guns, but like still. That's a lot of walking walking through. The tactical gear. Yeah, dude. Walking through these like made up militia men just made me really sit back and be like, why? (laughs) Like, I get it. Like, you're here Mm -hmm. protesting what Virginia's doing. Proposed legislature. Mm hmm. That doesn't even really change right. anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's totally, totally within your rights. And but also, like, a lot of the stuff you that need I was five AKs strapped to your back. A lot of the stuff right that now. I was seeing was like people were protesting bills that didn't even make it out, uh, like make it out of the floor. Yeah, so like, like one a of bunch the... of stuff that got shot down. <laughs> I heard that someone down. compared to their tactical gear as like the what did they say? Call of Duty, Walmart, Great Value Warfare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Yeah, I mean, pretty thing. Pretty much, like the only two things that are still a part of that bill are that are like going to make it to the floor that weren't axed already, or uh, the background checks. Mm-hmm. There's the because there's the red flag law thing, right? Yeah, the red flag law, which I which I am vehemently against. Yeah, because not because of the way it is, but because it's worded. Where it's like way too easy for somebody to file a complaint. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one was what? Like you can only buy one hand one gun, a, gun month. a month. Yeah, yeah. I, well, it was specific. God, God forbid you can only buy twelve guns a year. Right, <laughs> right now it's eight. Isn't the limit eight? Eight guns a month in Virginia. Yeah. Well, this Something was specific. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, like, it's a lot of guns. Wasn't that law specific to handguns though? Uh, or did I, I don't know. I can't remember I the details on that one. But I think yeah, it was supposed it was to be one handgun a month, okay. and apparently like. 20 other states already have a bill like that on the books. Oh, I'm sure. I just want to meet the people that are buying more than one gun a month that aren't like... Gun sales have I just want your disposable income. <laughs> right? Like those things are, right? I don't own any guns, but my understanding is like a general handgun is going to range somewhere in the realm of like five or six hundred bucks, right? Oh, no. Be less than be, you can buy a Glock for like 150 Okay. Well, still, if you're buying five of those a month, I would love to have that kind of cash sitting around. You gotta buy it out of the back of Jimmy's truck. Ah, uh, yes, Jimmy always has the best. Introduce discounts. me to Jimmy, man. I want to buy some handguns. <laughs> Dude, you're the kid. You can't afford guns now. Yeah, yeah. He just needs to wait till his kid wants guns, and then he can buy them under the guise of guns for his children. Oh God, I can't wait. I can't wait <laughs> to like take my like son like skeet shooting. <laughs> For you the don't first even time, skeet shoot. You're, I haven't done it since I was a kid. Probably since I was like in in Boy Scouts. Oh. Mary used to do that. That is the most bougie of the shootings. No, that's like it's that, fucking hard. Though. Oh, I'm sure. No, that's I, not even really bougie. That's that's like old school. Yeah, dude. Old that's school, just like waspy bougie. Well, yeah, put it like that. <laughs> skeet shooting is the bougiest of the. Th- that's true. It's old and British. You're either shooting rabbits or you're shooting skeet. Those are bougie. I do say Reginald. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's been crazy. And uh, I just wish I could have postponed it and been like, can I just come in? Never. When this has calmed down. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't think it's going to calm down at all because of like the the distribution of power and stuff that's going on over there right now. It's it's a bit of a mess. But yeah, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. It's been a long week. 
I'm ready for it to be over so I can sleep all weekend. And by sleep all weekend, I mean not sleep at all any more than I already am. <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing. So how, how are your coworkers taking to you being the, the crazy look at my baby photos person? In no, it's been them wanting to see it. Like, yeah, yeah I haven't neither. There hasn't He's been a, delusional. There hasn't been a single. Well, no, all, most of it's been like the moms yeah. have come up to me. Like all of a sudden, all these girls that I like never didn't spoke really to talk to. Because they don't want to talk to you. All, yeah, all these women that I just didn't really associate with, like, not because we didn't get along or anything. No, it's just like, I just didn't have anything to talk about with them. And now all of a sudden, like, they're flocking. I'm saying hi unto them in the hallways. We're on, like, first name basis. Hey like, there, all Pammy. over the place. Yeah, but yeah, they like, only learned your name so that it's not weird when they come and ask you about your kid. Well, that, you know, that's obviously the the main topic of conversation yeah. but you'd be surprised how much you can keep a conversation going now that you have a kid because your kid does some crazy shit pretty much every night <laughs> to rearm your topics of conversation i'm, just, I'm waiting the for the day. day where you just get like uh you get written up because you get into a conversation about your baby and then it just branches off and like oh you're a fan of death <laughs> <laughs> one of these days one of these casual days. fridays <laughs> it was that what the casual is implying? Strolling with my death shirt. On. I thought it was jeans. <laughs> God, I don't know what they'd do if I strolled on. I strolled into that building with one of my death metal shirts on. They what would... if it's the one with cats on it, though? I have that one that's like the unicorn. Oh, it's the unicorn. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Don't you have the cat? The cat pentagram. Cat cannibal Black Holocaust or. That like limited edition shirt you picked up from that. Oh website? yeah, 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 yeah. They uh. The uh, what is what is it? Eat catnip and pray to Satan. Or yeah, whatever. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which we should all aspire to. Yeah, absolutely. It has just like sixty nines all over it. <laughs> just a cat <laughs> in a pentagram. <laughs> uh, this is special edition. I really freaked somebody out with, at Publix with that shirt. Like some oh, I'm old sure lady did. who was like in the in the uh, checking me out in the. Uh, in the line and everything, she was just like, "So what's what's the shirt supposed to be about?" And I was like, "I don't know. It's just funny." And she's like, "I don't find it very funny." Mm-hmm. I was like, "I find it pretty funny." <laughs> I found that when I moved to Virginia, I didn't realize how like religious people are here. So I had my bad religion T-shirt that I used to wear all the time in California. Yeah. It was like yeah. not even a thing. And then people were like really offended by my shirt because they didn't realize what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's just a shirt. What are you gonna do? All these old biddies over here yeah. need to. Like, you think that religion is bad? <laughs> it's just a, it's just just a, a band shirt, shirt man. man. <laughs> Get off my dick. <laughs> you guys ready to talk about some of the, 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 the big things that happened this week? Yes. All right. Let's make it happen with some horror headlines. All right. things off for our list of horror headlines uh we're gonna talk about something a little unusual mm-hmm. that we don't normally talk about on this podcast is it the hippity hoppity it's the hippity hoppities <laughs> uh eminem surprise drops a new album what the hell are we doing talking about uh music on a horror podcast eminem apparently decided to release a new album out of the blue and it pays homage to the director we're coincidentally talking about this week we didn't plan this, folks. Ooh, much serendipity. No, we actually did. <laughs> oh, we knew we knew ahead of time about Eminem's new album. Yeah, we we used our uh, our spoof accounts on Twitter to get in touch with Eminem and be like, "Yo, 
No, he's just a big fan of the podcast. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's true. he listens to us. Uh, he 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 wants us to release two episodes a week, and we told him that's too much, man. Mm-hmm. That's too much. You got to chill out. Yeah. All right, we're just friends. We're just friends. <laughs> we're just friends. Don't be a stage five clinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you need to step back and take a chill pill. That's what we told him. That's what we told him. That's what we told him. It didn't work. It didn't no. work at all. He uh, wrote a song about us on here talking about how much he hates us. And uh, I don't know. Sam seems to think it's a banger. It's called Godzilla. Mm. <laughs> Did he say that it was a banger? Banger, it's a banger too? It is a banger. I would say that that's probably the most banger song. It's a bop. It's, it's for sure a bop. It's a bop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it's the best song on the album, but it's definitely the boppest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, old Alfred Hitchcock, inspiring uh, hip hop artist. The hippity album, hoppity. the album, which came as a total surprise to everybody, has already sold over three hundred thousand copies. Has two top five singles and features some of the most divisive content he's ever released. But that's nothing new for him. And it debuted at number one again, right? Yeah. This yeah. has some of the most divisive content. That's yeah. So people funny. are really mad at him because half the songs are about. All the shootings that have been going on in the well, last you know, few years. Weird. Weird. <laughs> it's almost like it's culturally no, poignant. No, like people are really upset about him rapping about the bombing at that concert. Yeah, the, oh, the, like, Ariana, the, Grande the Ariana Grande one. And then Darkness is about the Vegas shooting. Yeah, yeah but nobody's triggered by that. Everybody's no. fine with him doing right. that one. Why but how people... dare you? How dare you talk about Ariana? Basically, everybody's like, okay, boomerang him. Oh, well... I mean, there's he def- is old as shit. There are days. definitely some yeah. things that I feel like I would be okay boomered about too, and one of them is Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> he's not old as shit. He's not that old. He's dude. like in his forties, right? Yeah. No, he's like he's got to be croaching on fifty, right? I thought he was. I thought he he's was 50. so handsome. He's so cute, though. He's, he's 47. I see what you did there. Thank you. <laughs> see, that's, the, <laughs> that's the era that you yeah. like. Oh, but he's so cute, it's though. Like, Walking yeah. around with his you-know-what. <laughs> Looking at you-know-who. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I just can't get away from, like, early 2000s Eminem is really where, yeah. where my, like, he allegiance lies. He was fun. Yeah. Where I like him angry, really... but I also like him, like, fun angry. Like, yeah. where's, the, where's the fun in it? Yeah. Yeah, now he just seems... He's more serious. Like, Life is... Ma- like, Mad and depressed. So serious. Life is more serious these days, you guys. I guess so. Uh, What is new is his homage to a man that has absolutely nothing to do with rap. Uh, Recreating the album cover and borrowing the title from Hitchcock's 1958 album, Music to be Murdered by. The album explores the usual Eminem content, taking shots at critics, discussing controversial events such as bombings in the Las Vegas shooting, sharing his views on the current political environment, and generally mouthing off. it also features clips of Alfred Hitchcock speaking in an intro and an interlude. Uh, Shady tweeted that he was inspired by the master, Uncle Alfred, but offered no additional insight as to why he was suddenly pursuing music in this direction. Yeah. Like, <laughs> M is no stranger to horror as he's previously donned hockey masks, wielded chainsaws, referenced le- Leatherface, and much more, but this direction seems a bit more out of left field. I'm interested in seeing more of the context for this in the weeks ahead if he does talk mm-hmm. about it at all. You probably won't. Probably not. What is the so the the cover art then? What is this? Uh, well, the taking it, homage to him holding the gun and the hatchet. That's the cover art for Alfred Hitchcock's album. Oh, yeah, M- music to this is Alfred Hitchcock, <laughs> and this is music to be murdered by. <laughs> Nailed it. That was really really good. <laughs> like. So good. <laughs> like a pinprick to the jugular. <laughs> I'm impressed. Accents uh, are not usually your thing, but that was quite good. <laughs> I can just I can I can channel old biddies apparently. 
Uh, next up on the list, Dying Light Two has been delayed. Uh, one of my most anticipated games of this year has been delayed from spring twenty twenty from its spring twenty twenty release window. Uh, and another sign that the upcoming next generations of consoles uh, have devs rethinking their current gen projects. Um, Who cares? Put it on PC. It works anyway. Right? Techland has announced that their upcoming open world zombie shooter, Dying Light 2, has been delayed. Uh, In a message posted on Twitter, the team chalked the delay up to the following. Uh, Let's see what it says in detail here. Busy. (laughs) BRB. New Uh, new, new phone. Who dis? Uh, to our dedicated community, it was a busy year for us as we continued working on our biggest project today. We know you're awaiting the game eagerly, eagerly and we want to deliver exactly what we promised. Um, stay tuned. Thank you to our fans around the world for your continued support, patience, and understanding. Basically, they just want to fulfill their full vision. That's what they yeah. said. Um, makes sense. Whatever. I, I can still wait. A uh, delayed game might be good, but a rushed game will never be good. That's what she said. Damn, dude. Wise words from the man <sighs> from the man himself, Mr. Nintendo. Um I don't know. I'm alright with it. It is what it is. I'll play it eventually this year. Honestly, it's probably a good thing because there's so much shit coming out this year. We got Doom right around the corner and like Borderlands is finally coming to not epic. Yeah. yeah. I'm, my hype for that is over. I'm over it. I'm probably not even gonna buy it. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm still looking forward to it. I mean, I'll probably buy it because you're you're gonna play it and Chris is gonna play it. Yeah. Why do I have to be a part of the group? Why can't I just be my own person? Mm. Why? Mm-mm. Why can't I do it? Because you get FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> like real bad. Sam. Yep. We got a list of stuff. Yeah, we got a short list of things to run through real quick. All right, let's do it. Banjo harder. <laughs> she told you to banjo harder. This is the beginning of deliverance right here. <laughs> banjo right. harder, bitch. So uh, this week we got a bunch of new TV shows and a couple of new movies. The TV shows we've talked about before plenty. The Outsiders, at that adaptation from the uh, book of the same name, hit Hulu with a pairing with HBO on January twelfth. So that one's already out. I think, but I think they're doing it episodically, so it's like a season or a week. An episode a week or something like that. Boo on that. Boo, boo on that. Boo. Uh, Tammy and the T-Rex Unrated is officially on Shudder. I still haven't watched it because we promised Palmer we'd watch it with him. Together. Uh, Sabrina Season 3 hits Netflix on January 24th, which is this Friday. Uh, looking forward to that. Let's all go to hell. Uh, the Turning, Palmer's potential new favorite movie, uh, hits theaters on the 24th <laughs> from Universal. A uh, young governess is hired by I a man. Doth protest. <laughs> he doth protest too much. Uh, a young governess is hired by a man who's become responsible for his young nephew and niece after the deaths of their parents. Modern take on Henry James's novella, The Turn of the Screw. Uh, why is this Palmer's potential new favorite movie? Well, his favorite actor of all time, Finn Wolfhard, is starring. And then finally, featuring Kristen Stewart. I think, it's, I think it's sitting at like twelve percent right now. And right, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it does look not look great. Um, and then finally this week, 
Uh, I had the pleasure of seeing it last night in their one night only. Uh, <laughs> look at this man over here. Hey, look, I'm not the I one get with to go kids. See a movie. <laughs> I don't have kids, and I'm free, free to do what I want. Uh, Color Out of Space, as we were talking about at the top of the episode, uh, gets a wider but still limited release on Friday the 24th uh, from RLJE Films. After a meteorite lands in the front yard of the farm, Nathan Gardner and his family find themselves battling a mutant extraterrestrial organism that infects their minds and bodies, transforming their quiet rural life into a technicolor nightmare. But does it Cthulhu? Uh, it kind of does, actually. Oh, does it? So, um, the, the one-night-only showings that they were doing had uh, an opening and closing panel interview that was hosted by Patton Oswalt uh, when it was playing at the festivals, and it was a big Q&A and everything. Um, and just... None of the questions are particularly groundbreaking, but just to give you an idea of what Nicolas Cage, uh, his acting has actually kind of filtered its way down to his clothing. He was wearing mm. a black leather jacket okay. with bright red piping okay. covered in studs and spikes with a leopard print collar and a giant Technicolor Hornet embroidered on the back of his jacket. Oh, that sounds okay. amazing. Uh, there are plenty of pictures available of it online. Um, it's outstanding. The movie, uh, very good. Uh, cinematography was fantastic. Nicolas Cage's acting is a little hit or miss. Um, Shut your mouth. Nicolas Cage's acting is hit or miss? So So I'm going to think it's fucking awful. (laughs) Shut your mouth. Because he he has these moments where he's like, his psychologically kind of shifting into his father. um, And his speech, his speech affect (laughs) takes on like (laughs) it's one of those things where if you've seen a bunch of Nicolas Cage movies you can kind of see all of those characters converging into one but his speech affect kind of has a little Donald Trump thing going on and it's Uh. a little weird Um, but aside from that uh, really fun movie not as good as Mandy but I'll take it nothing nothing nothing's gonna be as good as Mandy God, I think that you can buy this jacket already really either he bought it from this place? Yeah, I mean, this thing looks professionally made. It does. Mm. And I'm pretty sure I've actually seen him wear it before in It looks interviews. very like Betsy Johnson. Um, I like it, though. You can buy it for $169. That's far too much money. That's surprisingly... For a jacket? That is surprisingly a lot like a less expensive. It's not. Much. It's faux leather. But look oh. at this. Look at this beaut of a jacket. Does it show the back? It's pretty No. Metal. Um... Is it, you think it's a beaut, I just, right? I just call, cover it in patches, honestly. Did you just... Did you you just, can get that for 180 bucks, really? From Ultimate, Sam's gonna buy from one. Ultimate Jackets, yeah. I, I might. This is might. why you can't afford guns. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I spent my money on Nicolas Cage's wardrobe instead. You can get it from Rockstar Jackets for 125 Ooh. What sweatshop so, is that? Made I was gonna out say, of, right? and it's probably gonna show up and be like all those weird things that people buy from like Wish.com, Wish, yeah. where it doesn't look anything <laughs> like what it's supposed to. <laughs> There's a lot of I didn't realize just by looking um, for this jacket that there are many websites that just sell jackets, yep. like HighJackets.com, RockstarJackets.com. There are websites jackets. for everything, Alex. Mm-hmm. It's like the internet is customized and tailored to what you want. But just for jackets? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Burlington Coat Factory doesn't just sell coats. Either way, someone needs to buy this coat so we can look at it. 
Do they have it at Burlington? You should check. <laughs> you know, like I, need I to actually buy go to jacket. Burlington kind of often because they have some good deals on baby shit. Hell yeah, dude! They have good deals on everything, yeah, man. Burlington it's Coat more Factory than just is great better coats. than Ross now. Oh yeah, for sure. Ross. You know they're not paying us, right? <laughs> they should. <laughs> hint, hint. Hint, hint. Is that it? Yeah, that's it for this week. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I was like, I was just sipping a beer and leaving, leaving dead air over there. It's perfect, perfect podcasting right there. All right. Well. <laughs> A plus for our podcast. <laughs> Time to go on to the main event. You guys ready to talk about this little movie? No. This hey, movie I'm just trying to get to the to thing that the people care about faster. What's that? Oh, the jackets? I get it. I get it. Mm. Yeah. Huh? I can't wait to see Nicolas Cage in, in this number right here. Yeah? Yeah, what you're wearing right now. When he just walks out on a giant mm. in a giant Just Just the Void road. 2 starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Bam. Right. He's the in leader of the cult. cult in, yeah. <laughs> That's too big for him. <laughs> With slightly off-color red Nikes. Yes. <laughs> it's just, God, I, I'm going to have to take a photo of you in this get-up and put it up on the, on the social hey man, medias a, because it's, it's too a good much look. for me right now. All right, main event time. Let's do this thing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's main event. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I just can't even enter the password on my fucking iPad it's because it's there's not like an iPad. 20, <laughs> 20 characters on it. Fucking bullshit. Anyways, Man, my technology. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you make my life easier for the most part? Main event: Psycho, nineteen sixty, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. As if. You didn't already know that. <laughs> Produced also by Alfred Hitchcock. Less people probably knew that. Uh, screenplay by Joseph Stefano. Based on Psycho, the novel by Robert Block. Uh, it's starring Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates. Janet Lee as uh, Marion Crane. Vera Miles as Lila Crane. John Gavin as Sam Loomis. Martin Balsam as private investigator Milton Arbogast. <laughs> <laughs> That is a 60s name for sure. It is. It really is. John McIntyre as uh, Deputy Sheriff Al Chambers. Simon Oakland as Dr. Fred Richmond. And Virginia Gregg, Paul Jasmond, and uh, Jeanette Nolan, who were all responsible for the voice of Norman Bates. Or, sorry, Norma Bates, um, the mother. Their voices were used interchangeably except for the last speech, which was credited to uh, Greg. Virginia Gregg. Good job, uh, Greg. Yeah, absolutely. Well done. Way to nail it. Um, Sam, should you do your twenty, your two second synopsis? Oh yeah. So, nice, handsome, quiet man has a horrendous relationship with his crazy mother, eventually driving him to commit murder and go completely insane. So let's watch my future in a sixty-year-old movie. <laughs> chin chin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't put in another LOL women drivers. <laughs> Tomatoes, am I right? Uh, I actually have that stashed away somewhere else in my notes. Okay. All right. Psycho was a game changer when it was released in 1960, setting a new pace for violence, sexuality, and lewd offerings in American filmmaking. Based on the 1959 novel of the same name by the Alfred mentioned, or aforementioned, not Alfred mentioned, <laughs> aforementioned Robert Block, the film was a rather large change of pace from Hitchcock's previous two, two pictures, North by Northwest and Vertigo, both in terms of budget and production values. Psycho was um, 
frequently cited as one of Hitchcock's best films, if not his best film, and it's credited as with being one of the films that set the groundwork for the popular Gialli and slasher films that would come soon after. Um, because of its groundbreaking content, the film is frequently cited as a movie that exposed the large public to depravity. Depravity. With its Debauchery. Opening... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Damn. Sorry, I couldn't think of any more well, things to start Well with done with the, the, uh, the alliteration. Uh, with its opening scene containing sexual content considered quite graphic at the time, and uh, a vivacious scene, or sorry, vicious, not vivacious, scene of uh, slashing, it's hard not to see why this film is uh, as revered as it is by the directors that would come soon after, especially the horror, horror directors. Absolutely. Uh Everyone from Herschel Gordon Lewis to Wes Craven can thank this film's existence for pushing the boundaries of what was previously acceptable by acceptable. I can read tonight, man. I'm telling <laughs> you by the censors. Thanks to the erosion of the motion picture production code or the Hayes Code, named after Willie Hayes, the president of motion pictures, producers, and distributors of America, this that eventually became the MPAA. Um, Think of this kind of like the comics code from the golden and silver age of comic books, except for filmmakers. Films could enter a new ground. It doesn't mean that censors didn't have a field day with this one, though. Psycho's opening scene alone almost got the film rejected from a rating because Sam and Marion were shown as lovers who shared the same bed with Marion in a... <gasps> bra. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sorry, this is 1960. You have to say Brazil. A Brazil. A Brazil. Um, oh, my gosh. We'll get more into the details behind the censor issues with the film later, though. Um, all I have to say is, won't somebody please think of the children? And that's those nice 60s broad twos that were like uber pointy, you know? Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Madonna all over them. Uh, pushing the limits of good taste in those times isn't the only reason that this film stands out as a favorite among Hitchcock and horror fans alike. The film reeks of true crime with loose interpret er, inspiration from a notorious grave robber and flesh hobbyist. I don't know what you call him. A, a, a taxidermist. <laughs> I, I think flesh hobbyist is amazing. <laughs> Ed Gein. Right? And the man had a calling. All right? I want that to be my new career. He loved flesh this, hobbyist. <laughs> he loved his mother and the human flesh. I just, I, I just imagine trying to give somebody a business card that says flesh hobbyist. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> you could do so many things with that. Right? Taxidermy. Yep. Porn. Yep. Uh, leather products. Yeah. Um, that actually works. Leather making. Yeah. What else? Professional masturbator. Test Tattoo artist. Yeah. Tattoo artist. Tattoo. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Dermatologist. Dermatologist. <laughs> <laughs> Sunscreen apple up applier. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a good job. Mm-hmm. What if you could get paid for that? That'd be pretty nice. You have to live in like Miami. Although the only people that would, that'd be one of those things, jobs that you think would be really nice. Cause you're like, oh yeah, I get to like rub it over to those like fine ladies. Instead over you the... just get to rub it on my back. <laughs> it's just like people like Sam and old ladies. <laughs> they have to like lift up their arm flaps for it. <laughs> Roll it under my Get my back. Just get my back hair stuck all over your hands. <laughs> don't don't do it too hard. It's loose under there. It might tear. All right. <laughs> uh, anyways, it's loosely based on him, but it uh, borrows ideas from other killers as well, taking concepts about solitary murders in rural locations, sons with mommy issues, mental abuse, and more. It literally hits all the marks of a great slasher fil- flick grounded in reality, but forgoes the body count and fa- found in later films uh, in favor of suspense and intrigue, mixing horror with the essence of a whodunit, a heist, 
and a murder mystery. Mm. All I mean, one. he wasn't the master of the body count. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what people are, you know, think of him. Um, I could rant for days about this. In fact, I think Sam's going to be hitting us with more of the hard facts as we peruse down this film synopsis. But why don't we jump right in? During what the Starland vocal band would colloquially, colloquially refer to as Afternoon Delight in an Arizona-based hotel, uh, real estate secretary Marion Crane and her boyfriend Sam Loomis. Hey, that name sounds familiar. But what would Eminem call it? Mr. Carpenter. Where'd you get that name from? Sam Loomis. What's going on here? What? Sam Loomis. What about it? Where are the conspiracy theories about how Sam Loomis is actually Sam Loomis and that's oh, why he's so triggered about you're right. I expected like a full on like <laughs> Sorry, I was just looking up other songs by the Starland vocal band. Because <laughs> 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 I really only know Afternoon Delight. <laughs> I think that's the only one anybody knows by the band. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so uh in interest of the M- the new M M&M M record or album, this would be uh those kind of nights. Mm. Uh, okay. What track is that? I don't remember how that That's one goes. That's the the Ed Sheeran one. Too, oh, I just really do not like seeing an Ed Sheeran name attached to most anything. Ed, well, That's not Ed Sheeran. I feel like Eminem would have made fun of Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Yeah. Once upon a time, I think he would have. Then what the fuck? I don't, know. don't grab. He's that. trying to appeal to don't people. You tell me how to <laughs> don't, live. You put that down. I want to drink it. Sea salt and squid butts. <laughs> Yeah, delicious squid butts. <laughs> slim anus, you damn right, slim anus. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyways, Mr. Carpenter is just a hack. Uh, moving on, discuss how they cannot afford to get married because Sam owes his bitch of an ex-wife a shit ton of money. Um, after trying to get Sam to come be like decent folk with her after an afternoon of okay. raucous sexual intercourse, the couple part ways. Question about this conversation. Yes. She says, I want to have you over for dinner at my house with my mom's picture on the mantle and my sister. Did she say boiling a steak? Yes. Yeah. Boiling it. Yeah, probably in milk. Boiling? She's or, probably making a milk or steak. Or did she say broiling? It I sounded heard like boiling. I, heard I had boiling. to do a double I take on it because I, I heard bo- boiling also. It, it sounds like boiling. It was probably supposed to be broiling, <laughs> but given it's the 60s, who knows? And I've had my grandmother's cooking. <laughs> it's very possible it was actually supposed to be boiling. Boiling, like I'm imagining, like some sort of aspic boiled steak. No. Mm. Just everything comes out so gray. moist and meaty. <laughs> no, you don't there's... want to eat that in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just needed to. I just needed to ask. You know, crowdsource what you guys thought because I'm ninety percent sure she said boiling. Yeah. yeah. Boil, boiled meats. Ugh. Delicious. Uh, <laughs> you've never had cabbage and like other boiled yeah. meats. Oh, I mean, I've had like boiled chicken and stuff, but like you don't boil a steak. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. Uh, uh, have you had ever had a boiling boiled steak? A boiling steak. A boiling <laughs> steak just, just served like a soup inside. I mean, of I've, had a, I've had a stew, but I wouldn't consider that a steak. But was it a uh, milk steak served with jelly beans? That's not a thing. It could be. Yep. It is because it's in that stupid book that I got for for Christmas of all the recipes. Oh, it's well, it's from It's Always Sunny. Yeah, it's, it's that's the. Okay, was it from Binging with Babish? Yeah. Mm. Yes, it was. I see. You t- I see. You too are a fine consumer of <laughs> amazing YouTube goods. <laughs> yeah. 
I love binging with Babbage. And so do I. Um, Marion returns to work with a, where a client leaves 40000 in cold hard cash as a payment on some property. For those interest, apparent, interested, apparently that would translate to roughly $350,000. Oh, good. Because he was buying his daughter a house, right? Yeah, and I yeah. was wondering how much that would translate to. But You could buy a lot of guns with that money. You <laughs> You could also buy Even a, in today's <laughs> world, you could buy a lot of guns with that you money. You could also buy a lot of jelly beans. That's true. To go with your boiled steaks. steaks. <laughs> a lot of milk steaks. Uh, Marion's boss asks her to deposit the money in the bank and allows her to leave work early after she complains of a headache. Once home, she decides to steal the money and drive to Fairvale, California, where Sam lives. There's no. This is no small trip, by the way. I googled this. Okay. What the distance is. Okay. We're talking 14 hours. Okay, yeah. Uh, which is the equivalent of somebody driving from where we are here in Virginia all the way down to Florida. Oh, all right. Like, uh, like into Florida right away. Like, like to Miami. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Marion's boss asks her to deposit money in the bank uh, and allows her to leave work early after she complains of a headache. Oh, sorry. I already read that. In yep. route to Fairvale, <laughs> Marion stops uh, her car on the side of the road and falls asleep. She's awakened the next morning by a state patrol trooper who follows Marion after questioning her and growing suspicious about her skittish behavior. So this scene doesn't make any... Like, this guy has no idea who you are. Literally, the only thing, the reason that she is fo- or she's being followed is because she's acting like a goddamn fool. Well, I think at the beginning, right, because ladies are not supposed to be traveling on their own, really, yep. and they're not supposed to be sleeping in the middle of nowhere, so I think that's initially why he pulls her over. But then, yeah. yeah did could, she even lock the door? No, but could she act any more guilty? Right. I don't think so. Not at all. I just like how he never takes his sunglasses off, and the way he's questioning her, I'm like, ah, and this... Is mm-hmm. where super troopers came from. Right. And they use this <laughs> very tight and wide angle. Like, so he's a very prominent, like, looming figure. And she's right. little in this very big car. So yeah. he definitely has, like, a very commanding presence. And yeah, she's, she's very tiny in that yeah. fucking Ford. <laughs> yeah, she looks tiny. Have and you been in an old Ford? No. Those things are fucking boats. I feel like you like, would look tiny in one of those fucking cars. Nah, yeah. You could fit like nah. eight people in the front seat. Yeah, <laughs> it can't be any bigger than my Jeep. No, it's yeah, big. dude, they're massive. Yeah, huh? yeah. because think about it, they didn't have half the fucking safety features that we have now, so it's all just like paper thin sheet metal and no like a pillar support and mm-hmm. just bench seats with no seat belts made of slippery leather that doesn't keep you so in place. So there's just more interior. It's not because the vehicle's necessarily any bigger. I mean, the vehicles were pretty fucking big, too. Uh, That's a big vehicle. That's... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Polly Shore. <laughs> <laughs> you, asked for, you asked me to bring my A-game. <laughs> uh, Marion stops at a used car dealership and trades her trusty Ford Mainline in uh, with its Arizona license plates. For a Ford Custom 300. At least she she has a brand. She's got to stick with her American cars. Yeah. I'm a didn't Ford, Ford gal. Didn't Ford, like... I read something about Ford in this movie, but... Are they sponsored or something? I, I want to say that they sponsored What's it, that but product I product placement, man? Yeah. Probably. Probably. Uh, for a Ford Custom 300 with California tags, pulling what gamers like to refer to as the classic GTA bait-and-switch. Gotta lose those stars, bros. <laughs> yeah. Gotta lose those stars. Uh, the officer spots Marion at the car dealership and her eyes and eyes her suspiciously as she abruptly drives away. Uh, he just like parks across the street, eyeballing her the whole time. Why the fuck is he so like hell bent on this girl? Like, all right, because she's just... clearly up to no good. 
this little bitty over here. <laughs> Where did she get that money to buy that new car? <laughs> How does she have all this money? Why don't she just trade it in and get some California plates? What's going on over here? She's clearly on the flea for something. She's running away. She's running away, <laughs> I tell you. Running away. <laughs> that tomato's up to no good. <laughs> uh, during a heavy rainstorm, Marion stops for the night at the Bates Motel. The proprietor, Norman Bates, invites her to share a light dinner after she checks in. Mm, she finally sandwiches. gets her sandwiches because yeah. in the first scene... She's supposed to be eating her sandwiches, but instead she's having sex with that guy. Yeah, right. Now she now finally she's gets got to him. eat her sandwich. It all comes full circle. And she finally stops acting like such a freaking loon. Right? She accepts his invitation, but overhears an argument between Norman and his mother about bringing a woman into their home, which sits perched above the motel. Like this really fucking like ominous. Mm-hmm. Like it's an Adams family house. Uh, yeah, it really yeah. is. It by far is probably one of the most famous things about this movie. Absolutely. Um, so I live there. I could see it. You would live there by yourself with like 17 black cats. I absolutely would. (laughs) Would you guys come visit? No, not if you had 17 cats. Mary would. I can barely stand the four that he has. (laughs) Instead, they eat in the motel parlor where he tells her about his life with his mother, who is mentally ill and forbids him to have a life apart from her. Marianne tells Norman to leave her, but he jumps to his mother's defense at once, showing a brief amount of white rage behind his eyes. So here we kind of get to to Did get you say an white rage? Yeah. White rage. That's the opposite of white privilege. That's <laughs> <laughs> <This> white rage. <laughs> so I think this scene is really interesting with the camera it's like blinding rage. You guys have never heard that phrase? No. White, I've white, heard white blinding, blinding rage. rage. White blinding rage. I haven't heard is white rage. Is it like rage? white light? Yeah. It's like when you just like, you're, you're, yeah. It's like just, it's so hot. Yeah. Okay. Hmm, that's a thing. Yeah the opposite of white privilege. What the fuck? <laughs> no, white rage is what happens when you're accused of white privilege That's and you don't believe it's a thing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <Her>. Got him. <laughs> so, so here we begin to get a bit, bit of an introduction to the background of Norman's life, right? So we get the uh, dynamic that exists between him and his mother, how incredibly possessive she is of him. She refuses to let him be around another woman and mm. dominates his innocence with this negative uh, presence, right? Right. Right. She just looms over, yeah. sitting in the window, yeah. watching everything he does. Like a fucking bird. You can't have these hoes in my house. Yep. I won't tolerate it. Mama Bates is my fucking idol. <laughs> <laughs> you I really can't. like just like the twisted women. <laughs> yeah. That's why you love fucking, what's her name, so much Kathy from Bates. Misery. Yeah, Kathy Bates. <laughs> Alex is Kathy just Lee slowly Griffin. transforming into these women. <laughs> Don't love Kathy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy Lee Griffin so much. Uh, so we see this trope, trope over and over again, both in films and in reality, with killers that have graced the big and small screens in addition to our real lives. Uh, so in spite of all this, Norman still loves his mom. Yeah, he a little bit too much, her. I think. Yeah, yeah, just a tad. Just a, you know, some Freudian would say that he <laughs> wants to have sex with his mama. I don't know. You don't, don't know. know? I don't know that that's it. Mm. I don't know that it's a sexual thing. Mm, I think it's a little bit. I think the lines are crossed. There's some blur. Uh, maybe. Maybe. What do you think he does with that body? Oh, what if he turned that into a real doll? Oh my god. <laughs> if we never talk about real dolls again, I'll be so happy. If he masturbates when he's dressed as his mother, is that him fucking himself or fucking his mom? It's definitely him fucking his mom. Both. That's where the wires get crossed. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's where the wires start to go a little haywire. All right. In spite of all this, his Norman loves his mom. He doesn't want to leave her and has become dependent of her strong willed attitude. He can't live without it and gets upset at the suggestion that he should leave her behind. 
Marion decides to drive back to Phoenix in the morning to return the stolen money, which she hides in a folded newspaper on the nightstand as she showers a shadowy figure with long, tied-back hair wearing what appears to be a muumuu, stabs her death. In this scene, every time I watch it, it's Elaine Bennis. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Just get out! <laughs> Just shoving her into the wall. Seinfeld? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's all I see. <laughs> uh, he stabbed her to death. Hearing the screams and the clatter, Norman is heard yelling at his mother, asking her what she's done. She responds, bath time, LOL. the camera follows him as he investigates her room after seeing blood norman panics and runs to marianne's room where he discovers her body he cleans up the crime scene putting marianne's corpse and her possessions including unbeknownst to him the stolen money into the trunk of her car and sinking it in the swamps near the motel the swamps it's like a pond Is that the noise the car makes as it sinks? <laughs> it's more like, pause, is it going to sink? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And she's in. <laughs> Mission accomplished. I like how he's just eating while it's happening. Yeah, just like, mm. <laughs> what is it, like candy corn? It's like a Family Guy episode, honestly. <laughs> like, the way, like, the fart is, like, delayed. It's just, like, Peter Griffin standing, like, just eating, like, jerky or something. That's what I imagine going on during that scene. Uh, the shower scene might be one of the most talked about and analyzed scenes in all of cinema history, and that's because like the drama we spoke about last week between Betty and Davis and Joan Crawford, there's as much le- legend behind it as there are facts. Sam? Yeah? You earned your PhD in film studies dissecting this scene this week. Hit it. What do you have to bring to the table? Alright, so there's uh, three primary parts to talk about. Um, actually, four. Um... Starting with the sound of this movie, or the sound of this scene. So, one of the most iconic scenes, not just in this movie, but general, um, you know, American film history. Um, the score is one of the most famous parts of this scene. Um, it's influenced. Uh, it's influenced everything to uh, from Jaws, the mm-hmm. theme to Jaws, all the way to uh, apparently the Beastie Boys. Um, of course. <laughs> what up, yo? What up? We're the Beastie Boys. Intergalactic. Planetary. Uh, <laughs> interestingly, though, originally there wasn't supposed to be any score. Brass monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I listened to all that stuff yep. still. Sorry. I, I still listen to it. Uh, but yeah, originally there wasn't actually supposed to be any uh, score in this sequence. Um, mentioned on the special features on that DVD. Um, there's actually an edition of this where the music is stripped out. Mm. Um, Don't so all juicy. The uh, the original Mo- moist. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it is moist stabbing sounds. Uh, Hitchcock originally wanted it to just be the sounds of the water, the stabbing, and the screams. Those were melons. Those were melons, cassava melons, apparently. Yep. I don't actually know what a cassava melon is. I think it's kind of like a honeydew. Okay. Uh, don't quote me on that, boy, though. Yeah, so there's a special feature on the DVD that allows you to play the shower sequence without the music. Um, alternatively, if you don't have a copy of the DVD, much like me, and I'm guessing neither one of you have a copy of this, mm-hmm. uh, you can play the scene, mute your TV, turn on the faucet, and start stabbing the things around you. Okay. <laughs> what if I don't have any cassava melons? Just 
anything will work. Can I stab my couch? Probably. Okay. If it's made out of cassava melons. I wish it was. Do you have a cassava couch? <laughs> and a cassava is much like a honeydew. Just <laughs> nailed it. Nailed I it. Don't, I don't. <laughs> um, I'm actually quite proud of myself. Bernard Herman, who wrote the score for this, uh, specifically insisted that uh, Hitchcock try his composition for this. Uh, Hitchcock tr- uh, agreed and put it in and said it intensified the scene. And liked it so much that on the spot, he, put a ring he, on it? he doubled Herman's salary. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, well, um, he made like thirty six thousand for this movie or something, right? Yeah, which is a lot of three hundred grand. Yeah, <laughs> um, so a lot of money for that. Um, the composition of all of the music was specifically stringed instruments that were muted. Uh, it was, a, I think, a group of four instruments that were had all the sounds muted and played in a particularly sharp manner to mimic all of the stabbing that we see in this movie. Um, The visuals in this scene. So the blood was uh, supposedly Bosco chocolate syrup. Mm. Nesquik, bitch. Which shows up better on black and white film and has a more realistic density than stage blood. And as Alex mentioned, the sound of the knife entering flesh was created by plunging a knife into a cassava melon. Honeydew. Fake honeydew. Fake honeydew. <laughs> um, the funny do. So the shower scene is one of those things that's uh, probably in movies most related to the Mandela effect. Most people think that a lot more happens in the scene and that you see a lot more than you mm. actually do. Um, there's only nah. Did you see some TNA up in that bitch? You I see, paused that shit. You it's see some one boom. That shit. I saw that. And shit. it's not Janet Lee's boom. There's, it is. Oh, it's no, not. there's not. They have a naked double in there. Janet Lee had moleskin taped all over her breasts. Okay. They um, brought in an, uh, like someone who posed nude for like um, life figure drawings. I'm moist thinking about it. Oh my god! Will you stop? <laughs> um, <laughs> Even as far as the stabbing, you there are only two split-second scenes where the knife even touches skin, skin to begin with. Um, there's over 90 cuts in a span of 45 seconds, uh, which... Jesus. Yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did some interesting things with the camera work. So, according to Ken Danzinger's book, The Technique of Film and Video Editing, History, Theory, and Practice, which I assume is a sequel to the technique of writing and naming books long, stupid, and excessive titles. The finished scene runs about three minutes and includes 50 cuts. Uh, Janet Lee says in the book that she wrote with Christopher Nickens that there were 77 different camera angles used, including a variety of extreme close-ups that lead to a more claustrophobic experience and suggestive viewer experience that Hitchcock himself likened it to transferring the menace from the screen and into the mind of the audience. Um, as far as the scene where, or the, the cut where the camera's angling down from the shower head, mm-hmm. um, the camera was, <laughs> the camera was equipped with a long lens and the inner holes on the shower head were blocked and the camera placed in a way that the water, which looked like it was coming right at the mm-hmm. camera, wouldn't actually hit it. Um, but this scene spawned a ton of myths. Um, one of them was... To get Janet to scream they mm-hmm. and make it sound realistic, they used ice-cold water. Janet Lee denied this on numerous occasions, saying in her book that the crew was accommodating and supplying hot water throughout the week-long shoot. It's funny because uh, this myth 
is so prominent that even Universal Studios during their like movie tour celebration of the movie tour uh-huh. claimed that that was a thing that happened in this film. Even though she has gone out and said that that's not true. I did, yeah, I didn't actually know that until yeah. you. Yeah, there's until also just a docu- I thought for sure it was true. There's a documentary too on. Um, it's actually on YouTube, and it's called Making of Psycho, and it's from mm-hmm. 1997. It's very good. And even in that movie, she says that that's not true. Yeah. All of the screams are hers as well. Also, did you know that this was the first movie to ever feature a toilet? Yes. Well, a toilet being flushed. No, just a toilet. Oh, uh, okay. And also being flushed. Yeah. But just to show, they didn't show... Damn, they bring had, a new grandma all over the place! They had bathrooms in movies, but apparently there just were no toilets in there. Yeah, there were never any toilets. Isn't that's, that bizarre? so fucking weird to me. Like, it's so in the 50s that, like, you can't even have toilets because that's where people poop. It's a Protestantism. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. Um, there's another myth. <laughs> we don't poop in this house. <laughs> we don't poop at all. What's poop? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Palmer's pooping himself right now. Uh, Palmer's an- just constantly shitting himself. <laughs> he He's learned it from his baby. It's a learned response. Uh, another myth concerns Saul Bass, the graphic designer who created many of the title sequences in the films and uh, or of Hitchcock's films and storyboarded some of the scenes for this movie, uh, where he claimed that he directed the shower scene. Because he did um, specifically storyboard the shower scene, correct? Yes. He, there were storyboards that he did for this that were initially rejected and then mm-hmm. picked up later on. Um, but Janet Lee stated specifically, absolutely not. I have emphatically said this in any interview I've ever given, and I'll say it to his face in front of other people. I was in that shower for seven days, and believe me, Alfred Hitchcock was right next to his camera for every one of those 70-odd shots. Her hands must have been so wrinkly. <laughs> Just seven days in a shower. <laughs> My lizard's coming out. <laughs> um, there was a blooper originally in the pre-release cut of this that was found by Alfred Hitchcock's wife, mm. Alma Reville. Um, what, what was that name? Alma Reville? Reville. That's that's a, so that Reville. is a fucking Disney yeah. villain name. I think that's so like, classic Hollywood name. I just think Corella Deville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Um, Alma. So, <laughs> Alma Reville. <laughs> Alma Reville. <laughs> If she doesn't stab you, somebody, somebody else, else will. will. There it is. You did it. I wasn't sure if you were going to bring that home or not. <laughs> you ran out of steam a little towards the end. I just needed some help. <laughs> uh, but the blooper she found was actually a very short, quick shot of uh, the supposedly dead Marion blinking. Um, another one that was partly in the same sequence was seeing Janet Lee's character breathing after she was dead. Uh, the postmortem activity was edited out and never seen by an audience. And according to Janet Lee's book, although Marion's eyes should be dilated after her death, the contact lenses necessary for this would have required six weeks of acclimation to wear them. Do you know why that is? I have no idea. So I, we're, they talked about this in the documentary, and I was like, six weeks to get acclimated for contact. Because well, I assume they were like hard plastic, That's right? what they are. That's what Ben said. So they're not, yeah, they're not like flexible. They're yeah, hard. And contact so, lenses used to be fucking weird. And so whenever your eyelid would close, it was kind of like it was going over a speed bump. So you're, under your eye had to develop like a, a callus, callus yeah. before you could like wear them normally. <laughs> It's bizarre. Yeah. Dude, what a terrible time in America. And those history. things were still prominently being used all the way up into the mid 90s. Ew, gross. Um, I would just never blink. 
like a psycho. Fuck it, I'm blind. <laughs> yeah. uh, the shower scene also acted as an impromptu baptism, with Janet Lee saying that she and Alfred fully discussed what the scene meant, where Marion had decided to go back to Phoenix, come clean, and take the consequences. Mm-hmm. So when she stepped into the bathtub, it was as if she were stepping into baptismal waters, with the spray beating down on her, purifying the corruption from her mind, purging the evil from her soul, and she was like a virgin again, tranquil and at peace. Lee never saw this scene until after everything was done and after the movie had premiered. And by the time she saw it, she was so messed up by it that she no longer took showers unless absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. And when she did, she'd lock all the doors in the house, lock all the windows in the house, leave the bathroom and shower door open, and said that she never realized until she first watched it how vulnerable and defenseless one person is. Um, so you know, when you're nude in the shower, yeah. So have yeah. have fun taking a shower next time after you listen to this. Hmm. Yeah, think I didn't take that. a shower for a long time after watching it, the original one. <laughs> I just took. Yeah, a but you were like a kid. Yeah, not yeah, a, not a full a ass sense. grown lady. Yeah, you acted in this movie. God damn it, you know. What, you know. You know. Yeah. You had Bosco all over you. God. God. Mm, God. And it's also true. Before she got naked for the for the you know for the shower scene in the beginning when she was in her brazier, it was white, right? Yep. And then before she got into the shower, she had a black brazier. Yep. Ooh. Which means she had transferred. She was full of sin. Full of sin in her black underwear. Hot. Hot. <laughs> having, that, having that tawdry affair. Also yep. as pointy as the first, if not pointier. Indeed. The more the sin, the pointier the brazier. <laughs> A week later, there's there's one more big thing about this scene. It's very unusual to see in most movies, let alone horror movies, killing off your main character at right? the midpoint of the movie. Because at that point, you become so invested in her story. Yeah, and you are very sympathetic to this woman, right? Yeah, not really. I think you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be. It's. A, I mean, regardless you're of whether or not psychopath. you are in like engaged with that character, it's really an unusual choice and to kill off your. Did she focus. just stole forty grand? Right, but she had already. But then she decided to go back. Oh, okay. So that makes it all better. And she was for love. Okay, that that would be like that would be like somebody killing your fucking best friend and then being like, I didn't mean she it. Didn't Can I take it all anybody. back? She Can did... I take it all and, back, please? And also, I just want to take it all. I didn't buy a car with this money. The guy. I she go stole the spend money it on from, gas or anything. The guy that she stole the money from was, 40 a, grand on was, gas. A, was a piece of shit. So you don't really feel that bad for him. And he said, I never carry any money that I couldn't have lost from me. So he had more than enough. I don't, I don't, so you're justifying it. No, but I'm just You saying, have very backwards views <laughs> on these classic movies. I'm just saying you're supposed to be sympathetic Wait, she towards. has backwards views? Yeah. Do we need to talk about last week's episode? I'm just saying the competitive. So last week she was wrong. This week she's, she's saying wrong. that this, this person is a fucking sympathetic character. No, regardless if you think so, you're supposed to be sympathetic towards her character. You're supposed to want to see her give the money back, and you're supposed to want to see her live. And then when all of a sudden she dies, it's like oh shit. And she was a title character too. She was very famous. Yeah. So to kill her off 45 minutes into the movie was quite shocking. People, Alfred Hitchcock requested that nobody be allowed to come into the movie theater early or late, rather, which yeah. apparently was a thing back in the 60s. So people just meander in. So once the movie started, <laughs> he was adamant there were actually three pieces to it. So first of all, none of the cast were allowed to do any press about this movie before okay. it released. Um Additionally, like you said, nobody was allowed to come into the movie after the movie had started. And the movie theaters did not have to listen to that, but they did because they realized it was a great idea. Yeah, and even even um, aside from the movie theaters, the distributor yeah. thought it was a bad idea because, you know, who's if 
you still want to sell tickets even if the person missed the first five minutes. I didn't think this was necessarily like a big issue back then, but at the same time, last night when I went to see the movie, the two people that walked in and came and sat next to me came in 20 minutes into the movie. So maybe it's always just been a big thing of people just showing up late and I've never noticed. Like, oh, I got 10 minutes to spare. Like, yeah. hmm, maybe I'll just go to the movies. And then the third part about that kind of ban was critics weren't even given mm-hmm. private screenings prior to the general public, uh, which potentially could have affected their reviews. Um, but who knows? So mm. you mean they had to watch the movie like the rest of us? Yeah. Pilgrims. Plebs. We had to be those plebs. Um, and there was the original review uh, done in the Village Voice by Andrew Saris had this really interesting quote that said, Psycho should be seen at least three times by any discerning film goer. The first time for the sheer terror of the experience, the second time for the macabre comedy inherent in the conception of the film, mm-hmm. and the third time for all the hidden, me- hidden meanings and symbols lurking beneath the surface of the first American movie since Touch of Evil to stand in the same creative rank as the great European films. Well, there you go. I would have to agree with him. Just don't show up late. Well, it's interesting because I had read a lot of poor reviews when this film initially came out. A lot of a lot of the initial reviews were pretty poor. I think where people were also quite upset, the reviewers were upset that they weren't allowed to watch it early. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and also, also yeah. people were like getting up and running out of the theater and like screaming and freaking mm-hmm. out. And... It's hard to to imagine, you know, to think that when those people watched that movie, they didn't realize the twist at the end, right? So. That, like, I mean, we obviously know. Yeah, but we're jaded. Exactly. We're jaded millennials. But can you imagine watching that movie for the first time and having no idea what was going to happen? That'd be crazy. That'd be awesome. Yeah. True dat. True dat. A week later, Marion's sister, Lila, (laughs) arrives in Fairvale (laughs) and confronts Sam about Marion's whereabouts. Private investigator Milton Arbogast approaches them and confirms that Marion is is wanted for stealing the uh, 40 grand. Arbogast sleuths local motels and discovers Marion spent a night at the Bates Motel with Master Bates. With Master Bates. <laughs> Did you have that written down? No. Is that just something you came up with right now? Yes. On the spot? Yep. That, would he be Master Bates or would it be his dead dad? Well, his dead dad's dead, so now he's yeah, the so master. Yeah, so he's the new Master Bates. But his mom's still alive. She's it's the mistress. It's still technically her hotel. No, That's no, not, she's the mistress yeah. Bates. Yep. Or uh, the man okay. Bates. <laughs> he's the master Bates. Yep, he is the master Bates. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the master Bates hotel. Yep. Ew! Do not turn on the black light. <laughs> don't even get on the don't bed. Don't even get in the bed. Bring your BYO bed spread. BYO bed. <laughs> sleep uh, on the floor. Yeah. Just sleep in your car. It's just a place to park. It's yeah. a big enough. Yeah. It's a Ford. <laughs> He questions Norman, whose stammering skittishness and inconsistent answers arouse his suspicion. After Norman, Norman implies that Marion met his, his mother, Arbogast asks to speak with her, but Norman refuses to allow it. Arbogast updates Sam and Lila about his search and Marian and, uh, for Marion and promises to phone again soon. It's, he goes... I'm oh, sorry. I was just going to say, it's really funny, too, that all of the people who are questioning Norman think that he would only kill or have something to do with um, the woman because of the money. You know what I mean? And he has no idea about the money. None. I love like when they're questioning him. He's like, "Wouldn't you need forty thousand dollars?" Think about all of the hotel? HGTV updates he could do to his Dracula house Think if about he how had many, that money. Well, you know, twelve cabins, twelve vacancies. If he had forty thousand dollars, he could have at least twenty-four cabins and twenty-four vacancies. <laughs> <laughs> he could double his vacancies. Yeah, double your losses. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Our guest updates Sam and Lila about his search for Marion and promises to phone again soon. He prom- he goes to the Bates home in search of Norman's mother. As he reaches the top of the stairs, a mysterious figure stabs him to death. Mm. He falls. In one of the... St- like, like, I get that it was probably shocking back when it came out. But, dude, this scene is so fucking bad. No, we call it dated. It's no. amazing. No, it's bad. What's bad about it? He stands there for like five seconds before falling to the ground. And the slow-mo fall is just... I hate it. I really don't like the scene. It's I get dated. it. I get it might have looked awesome back then. No, it's bad, Sam. I, I'm pretty sure I would have been the person in the theater that would have been like, the <laughs> fuck was that? <laughs> the fuck? The <laughs> fuck? <laughs> I don't think that that is true. Uh, this is what, what I would say, say wrong <laughs> or, or that it's a bad scene. I don't think that it's a bad scene. Uh, God, just Sam. It's not as good as the shower scene, but no. the shower scene is the pinnacle moment. I don't in even. This but movie. I don't even think there's no. See, I would disagree that it's the pinnacle. Well, pinnacle kill. Sorry. Yes. I think. I think the pinnacle moment is the car singing in the swamp and the. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great scene. Like he's eating the food. It's amazing. That is definitely like the dark comedy part of this movie. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. No, I'd say the the pinnacle moment is the end of. The yes, would you absolutely. call it a black comedy, Alex? I would absolutely call this a black comedy, a black and white comedy. Uh-huh. Uh, funnier or not as funny or incapable of as being as funny as uh, a Serbian film. Literally, way funnier. <laughs> It's not possible. I didn't give that. I did not give I, that to you as an option. I think if you, I think if you, this was a three option quiz. <laughs> there was no write your own answer. I'd like to nominate none of those answers. Um, when Lila and Sam do not hear from our guests, they visit the motel. Lila sees a figure in the house who she assumes is Mrs. Bates, but she ignores her knocking. Lila and Sam visit the local deputy sheriff who informs them that Mrs. Bates died in a murder-suicide ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Fucking Jesus. <laughs> so she killed her lover and yep. then killed herself yep. because her lover was cheating around? Yep. That bastard. Yep. And then... Men, the source of all Men, evil, am I right? right? <laughs> <laughs> the sheriff concludes that uh, Arbogast lied to Sam and Lila so he could pursue Marion and the money. Convinced that some ill has befallen Arbogast, Lila and Sam drive to the motel. Norman carries his mother from her room and hides her in the fruit cellar. You're going to put me in the cellar? <laughs> what do you think? I'm a fruit. I don't know how to hide in the fruit cellar. You think I'm fruity, huh? <laughs> That's right, fruity. This <laughs> is my room and no one will drag me out of it, least of all my big bone son. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> She's the best. I am going to be mother. Silas! <laughs> Br- Brazzers should have a field day with us. <laughs> My big bones! Son! Oh, mm, Masturbates! Masturbates! Mm. <laughs> you guys are ruining this movie for me. <laughs> it's so moist. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, so we're not watching Don't Fuck With Cats before we record next week. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, At the motel, Sam distracts Norman by engaging him in conversation while Lila cases the property and sneaks inside the house. After Sam grills him, Norman becomes agitated, knocks Sam out, and rushes to the house. Lila hides in the cellar where she finds Mrs. Bates in a chair. She turns her around and discovers she is a mummified corpse. Lila screams as Norman. Really good job on the corpse. Yep. 
Amazing. Because the they yeah. zoom in on that. It still looks pretty good. Yeah. still looks pretty good. Uh, Lila screams as Norman runs into the cellar holding a chef's knife and wearing her mother's clothes and a wig. Or his mother's clothes and a wig. Before Norman can attack Lila, Sam, having regained consciousness, subdues him. At the courthouse, a psychiatrist explains that Norman murdered Mrs. Bates and her love lover ten years ago out of jealousy. Unable to bear the guilt, he stole her corpse and began to treat it as if she were still alive. He recreated his mother in his own mind as an alternate personality, dressing her in clothes and taking talking to himself in her voice. This mother personality is as jealous and possessive as Mrs. Bates was while she was alive. Whenever Norman feels attracted to a woman, mother kills her. As mother, Norman killed two young girls before stabbing Marion and Arbogast to death. The psychiatrist says the mother personality has taken permanent hold of Norman's mind. While Norman sits in the holding cell, mother's voice over protests that the murders, that the murders were Norman's doing. Marion's car is towed from the swamp as the credits begin to roll. Mm-hmm. So we get that interesting scene, you know, where the mm-hmm. fly lands on, on his hand. I wouldn't even hurt a fly. Because <laughs> they, they're all pretty watching good job with that, actually. <laughs> you want me to be an old fucking hag? I can be an old fucking hag. I don't want you to be one. You're on it. I mean, what? I mean, what? <laughs> I'm just going to sit here. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm listen, they'd say she couldn't even hurt a fly. She couldn't even hurt a fly. It sucks. That is, that is, I think that's the scene that makes the Yes, movie, and right then there. he looks up at the camera and smiles. And you get the mm-hmm. juxtaposition of her skull on his face, mm-hmm. like, real quick yeah. as the theme and shifts. And it's very it's similar eerie. to when uh, Marion was driving in the car, and she's hearing the thoughts of the people talking about her stealing the money. Yeah. And there's that one point when it's, like, a very tight angle as she looks up at the camera and smiles very glint, like, a very briefly. Right. Oof. So both of those. You know, it's interesting. The uh, God, this must be like the fourth or fifth time in my life that I've seen this movie. First time I've ever noticed that they put that skull on top of his face. Oh, really? really? Never noticed that before up until I watched it this time. It's it's a very subtle thing mm-hmm. that's it's easy to miss very, if you're not yeah, paying, like if you're quick. not really paying attention to it. Yeah, it's uh, so considering we we covered the birds, mm-hmm. not too At long length. ago, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, how would we compare this? To the birds? Yeah. I would think that this one's, like, the cinematography on this one is a little bit more purposeful. I think um, that the acting is also a little bit better. Sam? I'd agree. This movie came out six years, uh, I think, or I think four years before The Birds. Okay. Um, And that was, like, right near the end of his career. I think mm-hmm. this is a more focused movie. Um, I think also it helps that you get to avoid the weird pseudo-supernatural element of just random birds attacking a fucking town. And I like the birds, too. Yeah, I, I like the birds, too. I, I, just, so. I think this is a much more grounded story than that one. Yeah, I think this is probably... This and um, Rear Window Yes, are my two favorite films yeah. that he's he's done. I would agree. What about um, Vertigo? Mm. It's okay. I mean, it's a good one. I can't deny that's a good movie, but like, if I had to, the movies that I think of when I think of him are those two, the, yes. the first that pop pop into mind. Okay. And I think most people would think of when they think of Alfred Hitchcock, they would think of Psycho. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that one's the one that like everybody knows. Yeah. yeah, like regardless of whether or not you're a film buff, exactly, or into horror. Yeah. Um, well, no, just like people who are just like, you know, 
into classic movies or just mm-hmm. watch movies in, in passing. Like you say, Hitchcock's name and the first thing that pops mm-hmm. up in your mind is Psycho. And everybody knows the ending of this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody knows like about the shower scene. Even if you haven't seen it, yeah. you know about the shower scene, you know the ending mm-hmm. of this film. Like yeah. it's just one of those things. I don't even know how you get it. It's just you you absorb it through some sort of like <laughs> right. metamorphosis. As soon as you're born, your body just connects and you absorb this information. Mother? <laughs> um... Sam, yeah. What else we got on this? So, do you guys think this is a slasher film? No. 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 All right. I don't. And and I think the it has reason, slasher elements. Yeah, I, I like. I understand why people say that this like set the foundation for it. Yeah. I I think that it set a couple of tropes, but I wouldn't mm. say that it set the foundation. For instance, you got the shower scene. Every fucking good slasher movie has the shower scene. Right. Um. You've got. I guess an introduction in terms of of, of popular culture mm-hmm. for the first time to mm-hmm. the idea of watching somebody get stabbed and a collective crowd. I don't think it has the stalker element of a slasher movie. No. The stalk and kill aspect. I mean, yes, there is kind of the cat and mouse, but I don't know that like a traditional slasher film, the killer will stalk and kill multiple people. Even though he does do that, it just doesn't have the same feeling to me. Right. Well, I think I think this might have been the movie that like maybe made an audience sit down in in awe mm-hmm. equally of something like grotesque happening to a character on screen, right? right? Like there've been plenty of other films that have higher body counts that yeah. I would call consider more <laughs> slashers like from the 40s and 30s and stuff, but like none of them follow the tropes. This one, this one set the tropes, I think, set a couple of the tropes. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think the tropes kind of developed over time, though? Or I think I think do you it think came... of Black Christmas or Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it came out in the same year. Mm-hmm. If those are like your OG horror movies or slasher movies, yes, were the tropes already established at that point, or were they being refined? Kind of at some of the, them were. The I think I think they were being refined. Like even those films, like like for instance, like Black Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of things that you see repeated uh, in films since Black Christmas has come out. But even Black Christmas doesn't really follow tropes, you know? It's like, it sets the pace for them. Mm-hmm. Same thing with um, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, you've got your final girl. Like, you've got a whole bunch of the the, the foundational things. But there's random shit that happens in those movies as well. Like, there's something gorilla about them still. Yeah. Whereas, like, you compare those movies to something like Friday the 13th mm-hmm. like by the time Friday, by the time Jason comes along it's clearly established there's a formula there right uh, a very simple formula <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas these I think like I said I think Gorilla is the best way to describe them just because of the fact that it's like you don't know what's coming like you see these movies for the first time even if you're a seasoned horror movie person if you turn around and watch Black Christmas for the first time, or you turn around and watch the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time, there is shit that comes out of left field that you yeah. have no idea is coming. Yeah. Like, like think about uh, the first time you see Leatherface in the original Texas Chainsaw. That scene is so fucking abrupt, and it ha- comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, absolutely nowhere. And the door just slammed. Like, you don't really get that in, like, traditional slasher movies these days. So I think there were still, like, boundaries that they were setting, and... Ideas and concepts that were b- 
being created by movies like that that were borrowed from liberally as time went mm. on. Um, but I think when I think traditional slashers, I think the first one that jumps to my mind wholly and completely is one another one that we covered. Um, Bava's uh, like, Red. Yeah. 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 So that it's interesting you mentioned that because after this movie and Peeping Tom, which actually I think came out like a month before this, um, after those came out in 1960, um, there wasn't a lot of like studio interest in continuing to make movies like this. <laughs> um, but Italy picked it up whole hog and just okay. dove right in, um, and you. Some people argue that. Uh, if you consider 1957's The Vampires to be a Gialli, it started then. Okay. Uh, but most of them started in like shortly after this and ran all the way up through the 80s with Argento's Tenebra, um, or even 1987 if you count the opera. Um, Bay of Blood. Bay of, Bay of Blood. Blood. Not Deep Red. Bay of Blood. I couldn't. Um, I don't know why I couldn't remember that name. Yeah. But I, I feel like those movies, um, after it went overseas and took kind of the good elements out of this and then turned it into like a lot of whodunit kind of stuff. Brunhilda. Those kind of help create, I feel like, what we saw when it came back stateside in the mid-70s and Mm -hmm. saw like what became the slasher genre with Texas Chainsaw and with Black Christmas and even with Halloween a few years later. Um, I don't... I'd be really hard pressed to call this a slasher movie, mm. but I would consider it more like a mystery whodunit, psychological thriller. Yeah, but to give credit where credits due, I think this movie heavily influenced yes. kind of everything that came after it. Um, I mean, I mean, because we even see some of this stuff pop up in Palmer's uh, most righteously hated genre of horror in the postmoderns, mm-hmm. uh, late '90s stuff. Um, and then even when it goes back overseas in the 2000s with new French extremism. Yeah. Like, this stuff keeps making reappearances, and everybody keeps swiping things from it. I think one of the big things from this movie that really carried over into, uh, like, the traditional slasher movies, it's especially the with toilets. Like, aside from the toilets. <laughs> Showing toilets. Aside from the toilets. Flush. Um, <laughs> no, the soundtrack. Flush. I, I, I yeah. think the score itself... Um, really lent itself to being reused over and over again in the future. Because mm-hmm. um, I haven't watched this movie in a while. I forgot how unsettling the score Ooh, yeah. is in this movie. But as soon as I heard it the first time, it stuck with me through the whole movie. I was like, yeah, I can't forget about this. Yep. Yeah, I. Um, there's a movie. I'm sorry. There's a movie that I'm trying to find. I watched on Amazon recently. That was definitely from like the early 70s. Ooh, you gonna... watched a movie from the seventies. I can't remember the name of it. What's it was it about? fucking awful. Uh, like this kid is basically doing like cry, cries wolf, and has he's really into special effects, and he makes it look like he's being like attacked or whatever. And his parents get fed up with him, and uh, there really is somebody like out there stalking him. He's like insane. He's oh. from like Florida or something like that. That sounds pretty good. It was okay. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't really anything to write home. But it had, like, this really intense scene, like, where the kid, like, actually kills him himself. This kid's, like, nine. And, like, shoots him in the hand, blows his hand off, and, like, 
like all this other stuff. And I was just like, holy shit, this is pretty intense for a... I think it was the 70s. It definitely was too... If it was the 80s, it was a super... I mean, it was definitely a low-budget film, so it's possible that the footage just wasn't really remastered all that well. If it mm-hmm. was from the 80s, it looked like shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, dude, there were plenty of movies in the 80s that looked like shit. That's Fresh not exclusive to a... That's not exclusive to a decade. Well, when you... when The I, 80s did it well, It definitely though. feels like... Yeah, look, it definitely feels like it was shot with cameras and techniques that came from the 70s not mm. the 80s um i can't remember i just can't remember the name of the movie because i was going to cite that one as another one that i can think of as like one of the earliest examples of like an actual slasher film i can think mm. of right wasn't um, this shot all with um his tv production equipment yeah because he couldn't so this was an indie film in every sense of the word. Under a million dollars, correct? Yeah, un, uh, well under. Because um, like usually, 000. usually this, his, I think his contract was he, he, the studio had to pay him two hundred and fifty thousand dollars just to make a movie for them. Okay. Um, and they balked at it, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he's on the heels of winning like his fourth fucking Oscar or some shit. Um, Is it just because they didn't believe in this movie specifically? Yeah. And, it's too many and, toilets. Well, there was that and the fact that they were kind of going through a downturn at the time. Okay. Um, so they just didn't have the money to take the risk on it. Okay. Uh, so he worked out a deal where he got 60% of the profits, mm-hmm. uh, which wound up working out wonderfully for him and I'm his sure. estate. Um, but because of that, uh, and he tried to make a number of concessions that, uh, you know, the studio never took him up on. Uh, but he did end up using his... TV crew. Okay. The TV crew's equipment. Yep. Um, and pretty much did all the shit out of his own pocket. And they filmed on the Universal backlot, right? Yeah. So. Wouldn't it be nice to have $890,000, especially in that time, as in your pocket own pocket money. to be able to shoot this fucking movie? <laughs> I mean, again, this was this movie came out towards the end of his career. Yeah. And at this point, he had already, uh, I think, he had already done 46 movies, I think. Um, I think up until this point, he had won four Oscars. He had been nominated for, I think, 42 at that point. That's incredible. Um, and he only did six movies after this, one of which was The Birds. The other yeah. ones weren't nearly as big as this or The Birds as far as, you know, reception. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's not really surprising that if he's making $250,000 of film just to show up. Mm-hmm. It's really not that surprising they had that kind of money laying around. That's true. Nightmare. Okay. That was released much later than I thought it was. 79. Oh. Still the 70s. Yeah. Romano Scavellini. Ah, yes. Romano. (laughs) Good old Romano Scavellini. Um, But yeah, I mean, as as an indie film... um, it's one of the most iconic ones I can think of. I think this is just one of the most iconic movies in general. Yeah, but yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. But absolutely. It's up there with Jaws. Like, oh, yeah. And I, I mean, really, there's only like a handful of films that I can think of that stand toe-to-toe with this. Like, in terms of just being a part of popular culture and mm-hmm. lasting as long as it has. Mm-hmm. Like, there are plenty of movies that are definitely part of popular culture, like The Godfather or stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, like, can you think, aside from like the handful of cliched lines from The Godfather, can you think of like a really amazing scene? But I think that's the point, though. The horse head. Yeah. The car blowing up. 
The one where he... But, like, people, like, really know fucking Psycho, I yeah. guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I think part of what makes it work, though, and why it's partly so iconic is, as like, like you mentioned, you know, people that haven't even seen this movie mm-hmm. know about the shower scene. They know about the twist at the end. And I think right. that's that's the indicative part. Like, whether it's a scene or a line in a movie, like, eventually, if it's if it reaches that kind of level, you don't have to see it and you'll know it. Like, like the Godfather, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Like, you right. fuckers and mean girls. Like, I fucking know the movie. I don't <laughs> need to see it. It's exactly the same thing. Mean Girls is an iconic film. It is. Uh, mean Girls is absolutely on the same level as Psycho. <laughs> I'm not going that far. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you just said that. Yeah, sounds like it. I'm pretty sure that that's what you said. Pretty sure you called it Fetch. I did. Well, thanks for tuning in, you guys. We're ending it here. <laughs> I mean, are there any other like indie horror movies, like horror movies specifically, that you would say kind of stand up to this? I I spent a lot of time thinking about this one today. I couldn't come up with anything other than the, you know, Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre probably qualify. Obviously, all right. At least at least Halloween does. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really hard time figuring out other ones i would argue that less people know about halloween and some of the more iconic scenes in halloween than they do psycho maybe i don't know you think so yeah i think that people probably more know more lines from halloween well there's not that many lines in halloween (laughs) (laughs) i I would find I would be very surprised if somebody could name if you could just go onto the street like if you go if you went to Times Square or something like that okay and just interviewed random passersby I'm going to Times and said, Square and said hey hmm. name one kill from Halloween okay I guarantee you a much smaller portion of people would be able to do that than then turn the around and scene. say oh well you're the shower scene psycho yeah you're probably right. I mean, does it specifically have to be a kill? Or could it just be, like, any any major scene from a movie? Like, well, like, if, we're like, talking about, like if we're comparing it to Halloween But, like, like in particular. if you said Jaws, for example. Like, well, that's why I said Jaws stands toe-to-toe with this. Everybody knows Jaws, too. Mm-hmm. Like, right, but there, there are scenes in Jaws that people know that aren't kills. Well, at least not people dying. You think that people know scenes in Jaws that aren't killing? No. No. Well, no, it's like people. The line, the the fingernails on the chalkboard scene. Probably everybody knows that one. You think so? Yeah. I'd say that more people know the psycho shower scene. Yes, I would agree with that too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, But I don't don't know. Maybe that's just like a a testament to to the film itself. Yeah. I don't. There's not too many films that I can think of that I really do. I think like maybe American Werewolf. No. The fil- you don't think the werewolf transformation scene is is as iconic? Mm-mm. No. Mm, maybe that's just. Do you me. think there's any like modern yeah. indie horror that you know give it give it twenty years, forty, sixty years? Do you think there's any modern ones that are gonna kind of stand out that would be considered indie horror now? Granted, the budgets are yeah. A, a budget for an indie horror now is still like under it. It's still like eight million dollars, but. Um, As we've learned, money uh, was a lot different 60 years ago. Maybe that scene in Hereditary where the girl's head gets chopped off by the flagpole. Yeah. Or by the uh, light pole, rather. 
Yeah, that'd be an interesting one to see like, was, how it stands out. How that was the only thing years. that I was able to come up with. If we're talking modern stuff that's yeah. just come out recently, I think, or that, even within the last like five, ten years. Yeah, but I'm. I, I would say that I think people. If, Human centipede. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, what scene would would people be able to pick out a scene, or would they just know the premise of the movie? I mean, it'd be pretty much the same, though, right? Like you know the premise of of Psycho. You, whether or not you've seen it, yeah, you know somebody gets stitched up to ass to mouth. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Inhuman centipede. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so does that mean? Are you trying to say that Tom Six is one of the most iconic directors of all time? <laughs> oh, it sounds God. like you're saying Tom Six is iconic. Iconic. <sighs> sounds like you're ready for the Anani. I was gonna say sir. I can't wait to see his <laughs> vagina 9/11 movie. Dude, that, that makes me moist. <laughs> makes right. them moist too. We have any final final points? What are we rating this out of? Mm. Bottles of Bosco. Black Brassiers. Moisture. <laughs> Moisture. Masturbates. Masturbates. How many masturbates are we giving this? <laughs> uh, how, many, how many vacant rooms? Twelve rooms. <laughs> twelve cabins. Twelve vacancies. Um. Let's say. Uh, Mom spaghetti. Perfect. Mother spaghetti. How many spaghetti? <laughs> How many mother since, since spaghetti? Since we started are... with M&M, we should end with M&M. Yeah. How many plates of mother spaghetti are we giving this? Sam, start uh, off. I've got to give this a five. I am also giving this a five. I think this movie is absolutely flawless. Well, it's, it's just a five across the board. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> I don't even need to do any math on that. Yeah. So five plus five plus five divided by three, I believe, is five. Yes. Point six six six. You got, <laughs> you got it. Five plates well of mother spaghetti. Well yeah. done. Thanks, Mom, for that spaghetti. We really we love you. Keep making it. Were there worms in her eyes? No. No. There just looked kind of... It looks like something moves in her yeah, eyes, right? Yeah, it does, but there's not. Yeah, there's, there's not. not. Okay. All right, there it is. Another amateur interpretation of a yet another iconic film by Alfred Hitchcock. We haven't had any feedback over the past week about whether or not we should cover The Lighthouse in our final week. So, Alex, I have a question for you. Have you yes. seen it yet? I have not. We're watching The Lighthouse next week. I don't week. know if I can <laughs> talk about that. How do, how do we even talk about that movie? We can find a way. All right. The, well, yeah. We will well, what's find the alternative? A way. What is the alternative? Do we have alternatives? It was that black and white. It was a Bava movie. Film. It was. It was it a Bava. It was. It was a Bava movie that we had talked about. Mm. Was it Black Sunday? Mm. Black Sunday's in black and white. Yeah. Was it Black Sunday? I honestly can't remember. I mean, if we're you, I'm fine with watching Black Sunday. We can do that. You know where I'm going to lean. Where are you going to lean? So it looks like we're watching the lighthouse. <laughs> okay, let's just watch the lighthouse, and that's fine. Just Palmer's turning down it. a giallo for the lighthouse. I just want you to watch it. Okay, I'll watch it. Okay! Sorry, that was really naggy. I've, known, I've noticed that if I just annoy Alex <laughs> to no end about something, she'll finally do it. Yep. Um... How do you think I got talked into anal? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. All right. But thanks for uh, for listening to another episode. You can follow us on social media like Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Terror and Podnito. You can follow us individually, too. I'm Palmer at Sternforth. You might see some pictures of my baby. He's pretty much all I have time for these days. Um, I'm Alex at A-Looters. You might find anal. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my other Twitter account at Anal Looters. <laughs>
<laughs> why, why is that not a handle that you have yet? <laughs> you can cram a bunch of stuff in your ass. Yeah. Uh, Cramsy slams a lot in her butt. Ooh. ooh. Anal looters. That's a great. <laughs> We're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna see you on I'm our set huge insertions. I'm, so. I'm gonna set up that Twitter account right now and just Photoshop your face onto everything. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Sam, uh, I'm Sam at Sam Heeb, soon to be Sam at Anal Looters. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more of what you've come to know and love from us. As always, Alex, keep it creepy. Take care, everybody.